Hi everybody, welcome to another spooky episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics don't agree on. Uh, I'm JJ, and with me as always is my co-host Keith. Hello! And with us today, coming back to the podcast, is our ghoulish guest, Bobby Torino. Ooh. <laughs> so scary. It is Halloween. We are, like, just trekking along here with our um, our scary movie lineup. Uh, last week, we talked about The Craft. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. And I think we got another fun one lined up here. Uh with the 2004 horror movie Saw, directed by James Wan and starring Carrie Elways. This movie falls into the category of having a negative score from critics and a positive score from audiences. So on Rotten Tomatoes, critics give it just a 51%, but audiences uh, give it an 84% approval. So 33% difference there. And the critics' consensus saw ensnares audiences with a deceptively clever plot and a myriad of memorable nasty set pieces but its lofty ambitions are undercut by a nihilistic streak that feels more mean than profound it's quite a long consensus there and a bit of a mixed bag uh so yeah let's get started i mean i is it safe to say we all saw this movie we all saw saw when it came out in 2004 because it definitely made a big splash and i feel like it was yeah, a movie that everyone was talking about at the time. No one can deny its cultural uh, impact. That is for sure. Yeah, right? I feel, and not only that, I mean, I feel like it also kind of changed horror movies for that decade, shifting a lot of emphasis more on, like, the gratuity of violence, um, for better or for worse, one could argue. Uh, but definitely has made itself a staple in the horror genre when one looks back over the decades. Um I mean, I, I, it's memorable for for lots of different reasons. Uh, obviously, like the violence and you know the traps, you know, yeah. it's it's like, you know, very um, interesting, creative ways that they come up with to you know have people hacked up and sliced and mutilated and stuff. And I feel like that was the initial draw in because people going into it knew that this was going to be a level up in violence than they had gone in mainstream movies at least prior to that. Um, and I think, you know, it does deliver on that for sure. But, you know, what was, um, has, has your opinions changed on this movie at, and rewatching it now as opposed to when you watched it back in 2004? Let's start with Bobby. Um, yeah. So, wow. It's actually funny that we are, you know, I'm back for another film from 2004. It's going to yeah, be a recurring saying, theme, right? Uh, <laughs> so, and. <laughs> Boy, 2004 was like hellbent on killing people with epilepsy because everything was just so erratic and frenetic and absolutely bonkers. Yeah, there are a lot of these shots. There's a lot of these like really quick cuts and, you know, shots of the camera moving really fast and things getting sped up and stuff and, uh, you know, and moments of chaos. And for me, that's like a cheesier element of the filmmaking here that I kind of didn't really like as much now. That's as I what did I was maybe about. That was my point that I was trying to get there, uh, get to there. Yeah, it has changed a little bit, my opinion. But I mean, it is a product of its time, and, I, and we'll get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that yeah, is, for sure. I am, I'm, I'm actually divided. My opinion is so divided on this film. It is actually a divided film for me. You're a divided Bobby. Yeah, I'm divided on it right now. So maybe we'll see where we land. Yeah, maybe my opinion will formulate a little bit more as we uh, continue our discussion. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Uh, So that'll be interesting, like to see how your opinion forms uh, by the end of this conversation. But um, what about what about you, Keith? Uh, has your has your opinion changed at all, for better or for worse, over the years? Uh, this is why we have escape rooms, right? This is this is the reason why. Like, <laughs> I was thinking I, that, like, this is the original escape room. Yeah. Uh, um, I love this movie when it came out. I remember it being this and the second movie are the only ones that I've seen. 
and they were both great movie experiences. I thought like that is a movie to see in the theater with like a full sold out like everyone's reacting the best way. I my thoughts have changed on it in like in a way that it's like okay, as I've gotten older and I especially after watching it this time around and doing like research on it, it I love the humble beginnings where horror movies start out, like the humble beginnings of Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And this one is really just two young Australian kids uh, who who did not have the budget, who had the budget for one setting, basically. And real like you had the start, like James Wan as a starting out director and Lee Rennell who has a starting out writer and actor. He's a better writer for sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I, I've, I've grown to appreciate it more and more. I, I still love this movie uh, in terms of like a movie itself and not as a franchise as a movie itself. It's a good, like, I don't know. It keeps you entertained. It may not be for everybody as a franchise. It's also a good beginning like because all horror franchises either end up in space or they go to New York or something they they get into goofy territory and I I'm positive this one went into goofy territory but this one it kind of I don't know it it seems like a very good humble I guess I I would use the word humble beginning from like an independent it's I think it's the biggest horror franchise like it's a billion well, yeah, dollar I mean... franchise now. I mean, the first movie itself, you're right, Humble Beginning. So the budget for this first installment was $1.2 million, right? It makes sense. They're, they're these two inexperienced guys. But then it was a huge success because it made over $100 million worldwide. That's, like, really crazy. I mean, horror movies typically have that kind of, like, low-risk, high-reward. Because, you know, a lot of horror movies will have a lower budget. But this is an extreme case of that. And I was looking it up. By the third movie, they were getting $10 million budgets, which is still low compared to many other genres. But still, you know, you multiply your budget by 10 from the success that you had. Um, And, uh, you know, there's kind of a feel of that. You know, obviously you have this one setting for most of the movie. They're in this, like, dilapidated bathroom-type setting. And the whole movie is kind of told through flashbacks and flashbacks within flashbacks. You know, it's, it's, it gets a little much at times for me. <laughs> too many flashbacks. There's a lot of twists, too. We'll get, I mean, I did say to myself, like, Jesus. Right. Like. <laughs> well, the twists are basically the other thing that people were excited to talk about because I feel like that is not something anyone expected of a movie like this to have a genuinely surprising twist at the end. You would just think you're going to get yes. in there and people are getting hacked up, but it's actually a lot of mystery, um, a lot of mystery elements to the story that keep you intrigued. I mean, it starts out basically in a very intriguing premise, right? Two guys locked up in this bathroom. It's a very much like, what would I do in this situation kind of movie? So a lot of people like would talk to you. It's like, Oh, I would do this. I do that. And yeah, at the end, you have that big reveal, which maybe when the more you think about it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But <laughs> in the moment, you know, for what it's worth, it's like, oh, okay, they did set this up. They did put thought into it. And so you rewatch it and you can kind of see where they plant the seeds. But again, even though the if you put too much thought into it, it kind of falls apart. I mean, it, they expand upon all that in, like, the sequel. Like, Tobin Bell and uh, John Kramer, I think his name is. Uh, but Saul, like, that has become... Like, he's become an iconic horror movie character. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it follows in the great traditions of previous big horror movies having eight sequels and having, like, a recognizable villain who's responsible for all of this mayhem. And, um, you know, people kind of have their favorites of the sequels, you know, some work better for others. I mean, I only saw up to the third movie personally. I, I'm aware of a lot of things that happen in the later installments. You know, maybe I might have YouTube some of the scenes later on. And I'm aware that the later installments bring back some characters or plot elements from the, from the first couple movies. So they try to maybe pay that off for the loyal fans. But I, I, I only got as far as the third one. Did you guys watch more of the sequels? 
You got further than me, JJ. I got to two. Um, Same here, and, too. And then maybe I'm that... <laughs> I, I gave up after two. I have read a little bit about some of the, the later sequels and the direction they took, and I'm interested in seeing Spiral, I, I, I guess, eventually. But Saw 1 and 2, it's fine for me. I, I, I think where the concept is probably best done in those movies. And honest, 2 is, isn't terrible, although you can already see it starting to spiral, no pun intended, into uh, <laughs> yeah. an exploitation, uh, into more exploitation with yes. the focus being on the traps and all the ways you can kill someone. Whereas the first one is a genuine uh, mystery thriller where, yes, things don't add up. I'm, I'm going to agree with you, him being there the entire time. And not even giving off the slightest hint that he was alive is a little a little bit of a stretch for me, but I guess they were so distracted, whatever. I, I'm not gonna pick too much into it. The, for the sake of the reveal, right? Like it's like for the oh, sake wow, of the reveal. It was, it was, because it, it is a surprising reveal. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, is good. it is it got me. I, I will say that um I, I totally agree that this is like one of those indie darlings that has so many really cool, um, really cool ideas that you can see James Wan is really brewing as a filmmaker. I, I literally like some of the shots in this movie, despite some of the editing. I know I said that before, but some of the shots are actually really cool. There's a really freaky shot where um, there's like um, freaked me out. It was like a man in the closet. Like there was like the um, Carrie. Uh, Always is Lawrence, I think is his character. Oh, yeah, his yeah. daughter is like sees um, Zepp. I think that's his uh, Zepp in the yeah. closet. Uh, that guy who's who plays the other creepy villain on Lost. Oh yeah, My, this Michael is, Emerson. This is like shot of his eye in um, in between in between like the door and, and and it's so it's so freaky. It's such a creepy shot, and it it reminds me how. Um, how visual James Wan is and how well he can set up a scare. Well, you know what, too? Like, yeah, that was a really good shot. And I feel like he actually is very smart about what he's showing, what he's not showing in this first installment, at least, because, like, the big moment in this movie that they build up to is when Carrie Elwes' character saws off his foot, right? Like, that was... Mm -hmm kind of a moment that was almost promised to the audience from just sure. the teaser trailers that this could happen and it does happen, but you just see the beginning of it and that's enough to make you cringe and then it cuts away. And uh, I, that I thought was smart. Whereas I think the later movies from what I remember, like the third one, you see everything and you become quickly desensitized to the violence mm -hmm. where it's not even shocking anymore. So in this one, you know, again, he's like a little more economical with the, the violence he's going to give you. And so in that regard, I think it's remembered as a highly violent uh, movie, which it is. But for the most part, um, it's not as like visually um, gory. You don't see like like huge buckets of blood like maybe some people expected. <laughs> to Tobin Bell's credit, he uh, he did lie. They didn't use a dummy for that body. He lied on the ground the entire shoot. Or like, like that's impressive. Although that's not impressive. entirely necessary. I, I, yeah, no, I, I guess that's why. Like, hey, he, he, like that's why they brought him back. Um, but it's I'm trying to remember the point I wanted to make. It's I want to go back to the point of it being like humble because it. I think you're right, Bobby. That it did go into started the torture porn genre, as it were, and. By, by I think by the third or the by the fourth movie definitely both the the creatives both James Wan and Lee Rennell went on to other stuff so the studio knew what like why people were coming and they're like let I think they may they probably looked at it the wrong way like why people were coming to see these movies and just up the up everything to eleven and that and and right. James Wan has like said I do not really like that the franchise went into a tor I don't like the idea that this movie started a torture porn genre. This this movie and I would say Eli Roth's Hostel, Hostel which came out the exactly. next year. I think those are the two like pillars of that subgenre 
people could argue. Yeah, absolutely. But let's talk about this for a second, because this is an interesting conversation. I've actually read an essay or two about this. Post 9-11 horror is a really interesting topic, because think about the times then, you know, like, you know, like right after 9-11, we kind of became so desensitized to things you know we were exposed to that tragedy and you know a lot of people hyped that up in the media to to, to the extent where we started to not get afraid of ghosts or things that we you know normally associate horror with we wanted a more realistic horror i feel or people started getting into the ideas of like you know they were getting angry like what if i had the like power like if i had like someone you know, that I didn't like, I could torture that person. It had that fantasy. Or to the other point, like, what if I were, you know, in this situation, like, what would I do? Like, um, as you mentioned there, JJ. And I think it's a, it's a really interesting angle because, yeah, there was a point where we, you know, in, in even adding Gitmo into the, the conversation where we, you know, our, our, our use of tactics after 9-11 changed completely. And how we dealt with enemies and stuff like that, foreign foreign enemies and stuff like that. I, I'm, that's probably not the best term to use, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know what I mean. So, I think that really did change the way we started watching horror. I think audience wanted a grittier, grittier, more extreme horror. Also, think about 2004; everything was hyped up till 11, with you know. Extreme sports, extreme this, erratic yeah. editing, new metal. It was just all just a wave. We got the XFL around the around like two th- early two thousands too, right? You, right. You know what's you know what's so funny that you mentioned that like extreme. I was watching the other day um, the the first Harold and Kumar movie, which is also two thousand four, and they also had these characters who were like extreme, you know, and they're constantly like being assholes. And that's like the kind of culture that maybe fueled this sort of genre too, in the way people were getting into these horror movies, like the the gritty, you know, extreme part of it, you know, the the gratuitous violence of it all. I mean, the other the other franchise that comes to mind uh, was the Final Destination franchise, which was before here. Like the first two movies were like in the early two thousands, but the third movie is really when it started to get crazy violent, and that was in two thousand six. So maybe like taking a note from where these movies were coming from, like Saw and Hostel, where now it's like, okay, the scares are going to be just like, you know, arms and legs getting hacked off and like that kind of thing, which to me doesn't really, that doesn't do it for me. I kind of more prefer psychological horrors, you know, more, um, yeah, things that kind of play more on, um, you know, your own basic fears. I mean, obviously there's a fear of being kidnapped and you know having something horribly painful happen to you but at the same time um you know i i i like a good ghost story you know like i i like the supernatural elements too of horror and having a just like a, a narrow focus on you know blood and guts that is something i didn't really care for so as much as i do like this first saw movie i don't really care for the effect it had on the genre afterwards i think that's a very interesting point that you both brought up but uh in regards to that post 9-11 horror movie and it's something i'm gonna marinate on because i'm i'm trying to think if it's 9-11 itself because i grew up on horror block like blockbuster i would do four movies and i would probably get two free like so i did franchises and you know i think when it came to like world event violence you had nam you had uh the oklahoma sitting bombing so we we as a society we live in a society people uh but we were already kind of becoming more and more desensitized whether i think it was like on its you know uh we were already in iraq in 2003 so there was always this like daily news of war that we were becoming that was just becoming part of our daily lives. But that was also right. people that grew up in during the Vietnam War. Uh, you started to have movies like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think is, I don't want to say the equivalent, of, but it's definitely that guerrilla filmmaking style of, you know, that movie, they take a chainsaw to a guy in a wheelchair. 
that movie had no qualms. Uh, and <laughs> I, to end this, uh, to end this uh, great discussion about like history and horror, I think the horror genre. We were looking for something new in the horror genre. Scream kind of revitalized the slasher, and maybe the slasher genre ended with Fre- that. It ended again with Freddy vs. Jason because I can't. Th- but we kind of the movies that were to come out during the later two thousands were Saw, Paranormal Activity, or well, Paranormal Activities like in that era. That was like late two thousands, right? Two thousand nine, I think, was the first. But one. But I guess this idea of like putting yourself in the situation and right. this, these it, nightmarish it school stories conjuring i know that, and james wan that and i know that's later but these idea of like we're all really into ghosts now like that is the the trend where the trend has gone well like you know ghosts um demons that kind of thing that's kind of come back See, in the last several years becoming big too you know with with squid games black uh, mirror um, a lot of that is becoming very prevalent. Yeah, like dystopian kind of yeah, horror. Yeah, dystopian horror. Um, you know, there was actually another prevalent horror genre in the 2000s that comes to mind, which is J-horror, which I think I mm-hmm. mentioned during our episode on The Ring. Like, in addition to, like, yes. torture porn horror, which, again, those are two words I do not care to have next to each other. No. Uh, <laughs> you, not, not, a, not wrong. Not a fan that. of that. Uh, uh, but then you also have the the J horror movies, you know, these kind of lame remakes of Japanese horror movies, and those kind of were besides the ring were all like big tanks. Uh, so it was kind of like a rough goings for horror movies, I think, in the late two thousands. I feel like I almost thought we weren't going to get good horror movies anymore for a while. Like this, the Saw movie definitely was a jolt, and you know, gave us something unexpected. But then it was, I feel like, such a high in shocking violence that it was almost hard to find something that would um, you know, reinvigorate that fear again for a while. And I feel like um, it wasn't until a few years ago that we saw Hereditary that I finally saw a horror movie that truly was, like, shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I need to maybe get into those other, like, The Conjuring. I haven't really seen I heard those are those are good. So, you know, I'd, you know and I appreciate what James Wan was doing in his earlier career. I, I should check out The Conjuring and see... You know, we just got out of a relationship with slashers again, and so we were kind of dating around. We like that's how, like you know, we went to. J- we were kind of seeing what stuck, and you know, people went out to see the first Saw movie, and of course, they made eleven of like you know that turned into a a big franchise, and they made one every year. I I, I yeah. didn't realize that until I was looking into it. Like there there was one every year from 2004 to 2010. They made seven straight years of Saw movies, and like they all made a ton of money. And they they that's why like it has a huge following now. And it's like I said, they tried to pay off the the fans who stuck with it by like bringing characters back. And you know you had all these twists at the end of every movie that you came to expect. So that was crazy. You just had like this dominating franchise that that ruled the genre for pretty much uh, over half a decade. And to your point, JJ, I would say I would actually think it started with Saw, but there were there are two types of horror movies now. There are the everybody goes to see The Conjuring. Those seem those seem to be big box office type movies, the Fast and Temple Furious horror. type of horror, and then there's the Art House, Hereditary, Witch, uh, like, and and I I love them both. You can love them both. I think uh, they're two different kind of tastes. But I think it kind of starts with Saw, in that it is kind of this indie that the little indie that could. Yeah, I mean, I like it anytime like a little budget movie, relatively like a million dollars is not a little money, but relatively little money um does wind up being a huge success right the studio took a chance on these guys and it paid off um i mean they even made uh like a short film prior to this which is now in retrospect dubbed like saw 0.5 or something they had made like a short like prototype movie to show the producers like they really hustled to get this movie going which i which i respect
might be in the room that you die in. I find it interesting that the screenwriter was also one of the main actors in the movie too. Uh, Cause yeah, he was like hit and miss for me. I think we alluded to that before. Uh, I think at the end when everything's getting intense, I think he gets a little better, but uh, for a lot of like the first half of the movie, he does kind of just come off as whiny. <laughs> like his character was like a little grating for me for a lot of it. Um, All that money went to uh, Danny Glover, uh, Donnie Glover. Danny, Dan- yeah, Danny Glover. Yeah, I was going to say Donald Glover. Uh, yeah, Danny. A young Donald Glover. Uh, Danny Glover and uh, Carrie Elways as well. Those I'm, I thought those were interesting gets for the movie because they were two all very well-established actors by 2004. They had both done like very well-known movies. And for them to be in this, yeah, they must have like taken like a big um you know cut in their normal pay for a movie like this to only have a 1.2 million overall budget uh, glover so. only worked for two days it granted the the movie was only shot over 18 but glover right. worked two of those days yeah i think that's where I, I i i'm divided on this movie because i think although i think the concept is good and i think the um the it, the tension is is pretty is pretty unbearable at points. I'll, I'll say that as well. It, the performances are distracting. Uh, and I, I, I really like Lee Winnell as a writer and a director. And I, and I don't think his performance here is very convincing and more so when he has to actually be in he where he has to lie and act. And he does like this choking thing that is just that was hilariously cringy. bad. It's it, so funny and cringy. And I, I was, couldn't. Yeah. I guess it was supposed to be comedic because he was so bad. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it was it was too and, much on that that extreme. And then even like Carrie Elway's, he is a normal. Uh, yeah. I thought first of all, flat. His English accent <laughs> slips out multiple times. In the movie, I was so distracted. I was like, oof, like that. Yeah, he's done usually pretty good American accents in other movies. And again, at the end of the movie, I think he's really good bringing the desperation and the intensity level up when things are all like, you know, coming to a head. But for a lot of the movie, I think he comes off as like goofy a little bit unintentionally or just kind of awkward with some of his line readings. Um, I don't know. I. I recently watched Liar Liar, and not once did I ever question if Carrie Elwes was, you know, American or if he was English. And and maybe because he does go, he is a little goofy and a little Magoo in that movie, but it just doesn't work here. I think it, it's a little flat when the times that he needs to emote that that's when the accent comes out and it's distracting again. And I think because these are these two are the main focus of the movie, it it does put a bit of the dent in my overall rating. Yeah, right. I thought it was so interesting that you have two non-American actors, you know, as the main two characters holding the whole movie, basically putting on their American accents, both of which are a bit shaky throughout the whole movie. So I thought that was kind of like, you would think maybe pair one of them with like an, an American actor just to hold it a little more. I, I don't know. Or just make one of them actually English or these Australian. Are, these are two. I, these are two people that have done great work. They have a great catalog of work, both of them seriously. And this, this is like one of their most popular films. And I think both of them in it, they're lackluster. And I thought that back in the day, I remember seeing this uh, young in 2004, I was like 12 years old and I was thinking like, I don't believe these two performances. They're almost hilariously bad. And now even today, like the way I, I try to accept it is the way I try to accept James Wan's recent film, Malignant, uh, which we we could talk about that one next year, because that is a divided one as well all right is that he if if he's doing what i think he's doing and he's having fun and leaning into the b-movie continence of this uh of the concept of saw then i totally respect that that puts it up a few points because he's just maybe he's just trying to replicate the exploitation films that he grew up with and he was just kind of showing off that style just like he was trying to make a giallo with malignant and 
make a bonkers movie with that, right? Uh, in, in that regard, like, I want to believe that he's, a lot of the choices he makes are intentional. Um, he is such, like, I, and I'll have to reiterate, he is such a visual director. I really appreciate the, the, his cinema, the way he moves with his camera, the way he sets up scares, the way he builds tension. It's, it's palpable. Uh, that also that scene where, um, Lee Winnell's character, Adam, he's, he's got his camera. It's a very dark room and he's just using the flash to sort of guide himself, uh, to the, oh, yes. his dark. Oh, right, and then right. the, the pig pops up. And I thought that was a very decent scare. Even today, I forgot about that scare. I was like, Oh, that got me. I think he's really talented in that regard. And you can just see there's just the, there's the ideas that he was having. Right. I, I really, I really appreciate James Wan's direction is all I'm trying to say. And I think on a very small, on a very small budget, he does a lot. He, even with, there's this car chase that is so silly. It's so low budget. Um, the cars aren't even moving. It's definitely like filmed in, in front, like in a black background with smoke all around. And like he's using his uh, editing techniques to make the cars like shake. And it's so low budget. You know, it, they're not really driving cars. But oh, it just reminded me of just films from the 70s and 80s that try to get away with some of the uh, bigger set pieces in creative ways. And I and I appreciate James Wan for that. And that's where I like the movie. I, I, can, I can even say that there were points where I was on edge. <laughs> but there are just moments, in, too, that I just... Yeah, I hear you, man. I, I don't I don't enjoy as much. It's too bad. For lack of a better term. I do I would say that the movie could be a lot better if say like the dialogue was a little tighter and you're right if like the performances were um a little more focused. Uh because you're right, as a director, I think James Bond is doing like the most with the little budget he has. He's very resourceful. I mean, you're right. That car chase sequence sticks out to me. It's just kind of like a hokey thing that they, they even like show it too many times. They cut to it like three times of the step in a car and it zooms in on them in the car. It's like, all right, like we know they're driving, like just move on. Uh, yeah. There's like some hokey stuff with that. Even um, there's a few times of like these really quick shots that are really disorienting. Like with um, what was the character uh, who's in like the, the bear trap, right like the one who survives like there's you know, like it spins around her like 10 times it's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. i like I that get, you're trying to establish that because uh, I, I do think it's disorienting it's i get you're trying to to an extent you're trying to create the um you know the chaos of the scene and try to get into the head of the character who's like head is literally spinning trying to wrap her brain around the situation she's in um but uh I don't know. It was a bit overdone for for my taste, you know. Even if you know, you'd like a key, I, I I like feel for me that if he maybe didn't do that as much in that particular sequence, I uh, you know. I mean, it. I'm not saying it, it's an acquired taste. I do get like why it, it can be a turnoff for people, but I I can see the fr- like the uh, the character was in a frenzy. What's it? What can you do in a room? Uh, uh um, that we can amplify with editing and uh camera work uh that i my question is, to this and i it it doesn't take that many points off of the movie for me but danny glover is just there for the twist like he is just a character who serves to be a twist right like <laughs> i know you need a cop i feel like they should have given him i i was like surprised that he maybe didn't play into the into the climax a little more because the more i thought of him like oh i don't think he actually really helps that much he he chases down this character but the the wife the doctor's wife is able to save herself and then he is like shot and killed trying to chase this this zep guy who's then defeated by the other characters anyway so like they keep him in the movie but then i'm not even sure why it's an exposition dump yeah but he's a really prominent a a a lister a-listing exposition dump, so that's why they got him. Uh, yeah, I don't know why his character is 
is now, now that she's talking about it, pretty pointless. He's there. He mentions John's name in the beginning, and he sort of sets up that plot point that it's right. Right. I mean, also, um, that sequence, the the sequence where his partner gets killed, you know, I get a little frustrated because, you know, just from like, you know, they 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 actually are smart in figuring out how to locate where this guy could be, but then as soon as they are like, we know we can find him, let's just go now. Should we bring back up with us to track down this dangerous serial killer? No. And that is like a horror cliche, right? Like, oh, let's just go in the one or two of us and, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> like, nothing will go wrong. The actual way that conversation went was like, do we call backup? Do we have enough money for backup? No, we just have enough money for us to. <laughs> yeah, right. The budget. You couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get extras. You couldn't uh, get extras to play like police officer backup. I, by way of, uh, I kind of for, forgot what happened to Danny Glover's character. And then when I'm watching it again, I was like, oh, him getting killed midway-ish through the movie, I like. That actually is a good, like, okay, the cop cannot stop this. Him coming back and the the movie is trying to make me think that he might be the killer or or he is he's doing something he kind of doesn't add anything post his death i think the only thing is that he is the one who hires the photographer adam to track down the doctor because he's like obsessed with the doctor and so that's how done that that's how the ad that's how the adam character gets roped into the whole scenario and targeted Anyway, which also wants me, I want to bring in basically, um, you know, the demented justice of this Jigsaw character, right? Like, it's an interesting motivation if it's played more objectively. Like, this guy, yeah, he's dying of cancer, and he's bitter that there are people out there who don't appreciate how perfectly healthy they are. But for me, you know, the people he's picking to be in these traps and the, the sins that they've committed... It's like the punishments don't fit the crime. It's like there are people who do way worse stuff than these people who maybe fake an illness or a suicide or something. Yeah, like, what about like a, like, and maybe they do this later in the movie, in in the later in the series, and I actually think they do from what I read, but like corrupt cops or like maybe like people who like are corrupt in the healthcare system, like... (laughs) Right, someone who doctors, I don't know, like someone who's actually like deserves this type of vengeance because I think it is still effective that like you know people, you know, you could still put bring personality and and empathy to a, a dislikable character, but these people weren't like that bad. Just really annoying. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> annoying. They were doing me. things that like. I mean, that was like, their biggest sin. What was what was the doctor's thing? He cheats on his wife. There's tons of people who That's cheat on bad. their partners. Like, what, you know, I think he only chose him because like he was the doctor, like reading his report or something. You know, it's just and also how how does this? I, you know, if you think about this movie too much, this kind of thing, it's like how does this guy find all these random locations? How is he able to kidnap all these people? You know, again, the more you think about it, the more it falls apart. That kind of thing. But for me. Just like at, by the second movie already, it's almost as if you are supposed to think these people deserve it, and that's where I really fell off the franchise. Sure. It's like I and I will. Didn't they deserve it in the though, second movie? I'm trying to remember if they. I'm sure. I think, I'm sure if you do deserve it, I'm sure they do. But I will. You're supposed to almost like enjoy the fact that it's happening to these people. Like in the the second. Well, movie, you know what the thing is. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's. Um, on the other side of that, because I, I did just say that, why why aren't the targets um, nastier? And I think that's also maybe a smart move on their point to, to get people who have done maybe, you know, despicable things like cheating, 
but like not like overly horrible things like murder or you know as even like assaults or something like that you know cheating is bad adultery is bad but maybe that's why like we feel so bad for these characters because maybe we do feel that these characters possibly could be redeemed and they're really not terrible they made a bad mistake and now they're just getting their they're getting you know vengeance against them and you're kind of now you're divided <laughs> on how to feel when they die. And I think that's also a really effective tactic that horror can do. I th- the drug addict had the most compelling one. And it's not coming at, like, this is, a, it's more from his point of view of just like, hey, you have been taking life for granted. How much are you willing to take now that your life's on the line? But that you, was only that willing, one woman. Are you willing to disembowel somebody <laughs> to save your life, basically? Yeah, well... Uh, they they try, he's like trying to make he's like some trying to he's like a pariah like come on like you are a horrible person too jigsaw like, it's so self righteous but even the idea when um you know, she frees herself that woman frees herself from the bear trap thing and then the little jigsaw doll comes out and he's basically like you know you won't take life for granted anymore it's like if I'm this woman. I would be like a total shut in after this. Like how traumatizing is that? That you almost had your face ripped off and you only lived because you disemboweled some guy while he was alive. That's like insane. Right. You know what kinds of reminds me of? Um, uh, like this is like kind of a, a stretch of a connection, but it reminds me of like this old SpongeBob joke when like he breaks into someone's house to teach them to be safer about leaving their windows open <laughs> and they run out screaming. And he's like, hope you learned your lesson. It's like this to me it's like a similar thing where you basically traumatize people into like appreciating life, I guess. I don't know, kind of a mixed message. I think that's the fun of dissecting uh any horror franchise, but this horror franchise especially where a good therapy session like I'd love to see that movie of him just like yeah, okay, I don't like people that litter. They need like people that litter do not need the guillotine. Uh Yeah, right. It's like, oh, you didn't say God bless you when someone sneezed. Now you must cut off your arm or else you'll be burned alive. It's like, okay, that seems fair. I'll give it I'll give I'm you sh- I uh you on the fencers uh I think for this movie it's like, oh, I kinda get it. Like I think that's all you like I kinda get it. The guy is terminally ill and he's going after like you're right, Bobby. Actually, the more I think about it, like a corrupt cop or a corrupt healthcare official, that would have made a more compelling uh, character that I bet if James and Lee listened to this, they go, yeah, we were in our 20s and we didn't think about it. I totally exactly. understand that. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. They made a cool puppet. Like no, made I was cool just gonna puppet. say that's what that's what that's what brings me to um recommendation zone for me. I, I really love that puppet. It's actually freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can, mean it's a horror it's icon. It's a really great yeah. puppet. And we don't get that. We don't really get horror icons that much anymore. I was That's why I think, you know, this movie does fall into a good tradition or that great tradition of past franchises. You know, you have you know, in your history of horror, this is like the the image you'll see in maybe your like Hall of Horror fame or something is the jigsaw doll representing this era and genre of 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 horror movies. Uh, uh, actually, it is memorable. I'm I am curious, and we are in the Halloween season. Uh, what and and not like I'm not talking about like Hereditaries or The Witch or like, but. When it comes to uh, horror franchises or horror movies, do you have like what is your standard gold standard? I'm just or to you because I know you guys don't question. like blood or JJ. You don't like blood and guts. I'm very curious. Well, no, that's not to say that like I will avoid movies that have that. Like I'll watch a movie that maybe is so over the top it's done in okay. like a comedy horror way. You know, I kind of enjoy that. Uh, like Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, something that's done in a more stylized way. You know, I'm not scared by it, but you know, if someone's having fun with tons of fake blood, sure, go nuts. I'll, <laughs> Evil I'll Dead is right that. up your alley. <laughs> Evil Dead is is a great franchise. I think that's that's up there. You know, I have a weird soft spot for the Hellraiser franchise. It's like 
one <laughs> I just watched that the other night. It's one like good movie and then a bunch of like really bad movies, but um there's just something about it that I find kind of fascinating. Um, I don't know. It's like a unique concept, I guess. But that's like one franchise, I guess, that comes to mind for me. I love for for the Halloween season specifically. Uh, no, I mean, like, I I, I think you can watch horror movies any time of the year. <laughs> sure. No, obviously. Um, but to, to just to uh, to re- reiterate the question, Keith. Um, uh, do you want to? Um, what are you asking for a movie that's kind of indicative of the time? Like, I, I I'm kind of spooky season. Like, I. JJ brought up like this horror hall of fame and I'm just kind of, well, yeah. Cause you have your like, like if you're on, uh, if you're Jason, yeah, if you're you on know, the fence about you know, this movie, Mike Myers, what franchise do you consider you like close to, close to your heart or the gold standard of like horror franchises or movie? Oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's a great question. I, and I'm, I'm with JJ too. I think, um, something like evil dead is, is one of those, uh, horror movies that completely embraces uh it's it's b-side uh sorry it's b-side that's it yeah b-movie it's a total b-movie and i love that and horror is such a broad genre yes as we all know there's there's social commentary in horror that it hits there's just sometimes it just wants to be a stupid horror movie sometimes it's this out there to frighten you and in a very intense way there's just so many there's so many subgenres of horror, horror adjacent, that it's really hard to just pinpoint what franchise is the all-culminating horror. Um, but I think when it comes down to Saw and me being on the fence about it is really where I'm trying to decide where the intention was for some of the choices made in the movie. Whether, right. you know, I think... Camp, campiness and hokiness is something that I love, and if, if, if that's ex- and if that's what James Wan was going for with some of his choices in Saw, with the like, you know the, with some of the acting choices, uh, with some of the deliveries there, then awesome. I feel that. Then I probably will have to look at that with another lens and see how I feel about it on on a third or fourth watch there. But it's it's the it's the points where I feel like this movie wants to be something really, really intense in points and then deflate some of that tension with its goofiness. And it doesn't totally work for me always, but I also think that, you know, what, what horror movie does all the time? Yeah. Uh, Sorry. My, one of my, I can uh, kind of, I can kind of get where you're coming at. I do. When uh, JJ was reading the critic consensus, it said I, I never got that this movie was trying to be profound. I think they just wanted to make a good, no, entertaining no. movie, and I, uh, you know, as you know, looking at it now, I'm like, yeah, there are some things that I don't know. It, I kind of get it. I kind of get the decision making. And especially when you read the production or like the behind the scenes, how this movie got made, I'm like, okay, I, it, it, maybe not everything lands perfectly, but I, as some, I like, I think of like uh, how hollow, to me, Wes Craven has made some of the best opening for franchise, Uh, like Scream and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street are some of my favorites. And just because I think how the story, stru- I think how he does horror and story structure and even characters is just, those are mine. Yeah, but two uh, like really iconic franchises he, of the genre. Um, but I think, uh, I think you can even nitpick like Halloween. I think even Halloween, yeah, like I remember watching the first one like last year or a couple. And I, I think that's a great, that's like the, that's like the, the genesis of slashers and it's not like that has the idea of what if this person existed there's no motive and but yeah there are some stupid people in there uh a lot of stupid people in that movie oh no i'm not saying like listen i I, no, but i understand (laughs) i i uh i think that's why i kind of like what you're saying is why i kind of like appreciate it while knowing that it's flawed Absolutely, yeah. and 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 I totally agree with that, Keith. And I, that's where where I'm starting. Like that's where I'm like 
more pushing towards I like this movie yeah. rather than I dislike this movie because I I do think it leans into that and and to its credit it 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 gets a it gets a reaction out of me that other movies don't so that that is a point towards this movie uh but yeah i think sometimes just the two leads can be distracting yeah. and unlikable to to not i i understand not liking a character because they're a bad person but it's more so i'm just the the performance was just oh. a little annoying i like these two i like these two quite a bit i really do i like lee winnell i think he's Oh man, I thought Invisible Man was great. Upgrade. I love him in Insidious, honestly. Uh, and I think, obviously, Carrie Elway's, he's got great performances, um, a history of them. But yeah, they just don't land here. And because they're the focus to me, is why it's not going to be a per it's not the perfect experience yeah. for me. And that's totally fine. Uh, yes. But I will say, I really love a lot of things in this movie. That puppet, the twist, honestly, I think, as silly as it is, it is effective. It got, got me. It, it did definitely. It got all. No one saw that coming. There's like five twists. No one saw it coming. Uh, that's like one of those. That's like one of those things where it's like, don't tell anyone. That's like a real spoiler thing, not to spell for anyone at the time. You know, oh, yeah. like you, I can't, you can't talk about Saw until you see it. Um, you know, for me too, the the campiness aspect also for me leans in, or at least like you know the the indie feel to it, leans in with the sets because. All these sets are like random abandoned warehouses, and it was like even the parking lot scene where he gets kidnapped. I'm like, this is a hospital parking lot. It seems more like an abandoned shed <laughs> with so a few cars. So gritty and grungy and gross. Like every location the they're in is. is like super dingy. I thought that was so funny. Like this movie's going for a look and a feel that is definitely identifiable. Like it has absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to Keith's point, I, I want to just say, because you were saying like, you know, with, with the editing, it, it definitely is an acquired, I think, not that it's an acquired taste, because I, well, I, it might be, some people might really just like that. But I think that it is, it is effective, but just overused, I think, in a lot of scenes. I don't think the editing needs to be in every scene. I agree, though, Keith, I think that scene where she's trapped in the bear trap that editing is extremely effective in that moment yeah. because I do feel the tension of that thing about to freaking break her face and I'm yeah. scared for her. And it is making the moment way and more intense. Thing, I'm not going to do that. And one thing that I think we can all agree on is that Carrie, uh, the doctor goes, I, I know he's worried about his family, but he goes from like a five to a 20 he goes completely irrational. If he just waited a little bit, if he just waited a little bit, things would have been all right, and he would have had a foot. Oh, I know. Like, the, like that. That is so. The ending um, is la is yeah. kind of funny, and I'm kind of laughing a little bit at the movie than what the movie is trying. I know it's supposed to be this big moment. I'm like, but dude, just calm down. No one is like. Well, yeah, I think that's not part of the added horror, too, is that not only is this guy sawing off his foot, but you know in that moment that he doesn't have to. Yeah. And that, like, I appreciate the, you know, the, the different layers of, of that particular moment. Um, so, uh, you know, this it's just so funny, too, cause, because this movie had a twist. All the later sequels also had to have twists. And they all use the same music of da na 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 and i think that i think that is where like the profound thing is coming from the consensus is that it i think maybe instead of profound they should have said like mind-blowing like it's trying to blow your mind with these That's endings a great song though and <laughs> i mean in the first one it works because like you went into this franchise everyone went in mean. not knowing yeah. what to expect but then by the second movie it's like all right what is it this time it's not blowing my mind anymore even though you think you are yeah, it gets a little I, tedious. I, spoiler alert, I will give the second movie um, credit for maybe even getting yeah, me they again. Yeah, they did. The I whole theater. I think it was the going to be Amanda who was the... Yeah, so I, I, I'll I say that even though they started their whole thing... I think the whole thing that they're, we have to have a twist at the end did, was cemented at the end of the two. Where are like, all right, we're going to do a twist at the end of them. But that amanda one got me too at the end of it so i was like oh fuck that was a pretty good twist um and the pop um when i bring it back to that puppet uh, again 
puppet is a really nightmarish image. Yeah. Um, just thinking about that image as I was a kid when I was 12, that's what, like, freaked me out from seeing this movie, I think, at first. Like, I don't want to see it because of that that weird puppet thing I'm seeing in the trailers. Um, it could have been silly, right? It could have they, they it could have been it, really silly. It was, it's a fine line where you have to make this thing, like, scary, but not too, like, ridiculous. And so, like, they were able to find that middle ground there. Like, this is effective, but it isn't, like, stupid or anything. Do you think um, the so, saw guy had bloopers? It's so close to being stupid with the bike. <laughs> what's, what's that? Oh, yeah, it's with the bike. Yeah. It's so close to being stupid with the bike. It's like and a tricycle. Like, <laughs> yeah, on a strike. It's so close. And yet it's just like, yeah, it's a little eerie when he's driving on there. Do you think there. they had bloopers? Not the movie itself, but when he's recording the puppet, not everything like line. Like, I want to see, like, the outtakes on, like, hello, John. And it's, oh, the, the mouth, mouth not, not lining, lining up. up. It's like, okay, okay like lining up <laughs> yeah right like it took it like they took him a, um, a few kills to get that yeah totally straight <laughs> he got notes from people uh, he got feedback like what do you think of the puppet like <laughs> before you die i need a little feedback for my future kills <laughs> fill out this survey on a scale of one to five how scared are you you took money from him to invade my privacy how could you do that call him i need to eat right right you know what adam you're not a victim of this game. You're part of it. Oh, really? Obviously, this cop thinks you're the one behind it all. I told you, he's not a cop. He's a bottom feeder. Just like you. What are you more pissed off about? The fact that I took some shots of you or the fact that I took some shots of you while you were cheating on your wife? I did not cheat on her! So, yeah, you know, this this movie, um... I don't know if it's one that I'll go back to too often as much as, you know, I do admire a lot of what is it's done about it. And I did have a really good experience with the first time. Again, just because it is in such like a, a dirty environment for most of its runtime, you know, not just in that main bathroom, but it's, you know, all the other locations are mostly dingy kind of looking. It just is not, it's not a world I want to be in too often. And that even includes the sequels. You know, I, I don't know if I want to be in this world of Saw that often as like the mega fans want to be. I'm with you there. I think Saw is was one of. I originally thought it was going to be a one and done for me, and I went ahead and, and watched it again, and I didn't hate it. I, I really didn't hate it, and I'll go ahead and I'll go. I'm sorry. I'll say that I I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, divided, yes, on on a few aspects of it, but you know the more that we talk about it and you know understanding its cultural impact and seeing why. It, there is a reason. There's a reason why it, it, it was so popular the first time right. around. I thought, I, as I can see, <laughs> I can see why too. There's a divide between critics and audiences, for example, because you know, obviously, I think audiences got way more than they expected with like the twists, and it definitely delivered on a higher level of violence than they expected. Like, almost like from the teaser trailers, this movie almost dared you to watch it, right? Like it was almost too intriguing to pass up. There was. Early screenings, people were you know passing out. That was like that was yeah. the uh, promotion they were. Yeah, I remember some of the um, you know like in movie theaters they have those like like three D posters you know or, or cutouts, and the ones of Saw were like so like you know extreme but also mysterious in a way. Again, it was kind of like we have to watch this. Like what what is this? Like there was so much intrigue about it that it did a good job. I think number one creating that mystery around it and then too i think word of mouth also really helped yes. word of mouth the the logo the studio logo was twisted pictures yeah and you're just like what is this Probably enough. <laughs> yeah i feel like that this movie arrived to us on a skateboard even the font uh like it looks like it has that carved in font it's edgy it's grimy i think critics like there's this, I could totally I totally get why critics didn't like it. Um, I think critics usually prefer the more nuanced horror movies, right? That kind of like, you know, whatever the monster is, is like a metaphor for you know your inner demons, whatever it is. You know, they prefer more of those and you know, a more kind of grimy, uh, like, you know, blood and guts kind of horror movie is not as really up their alley, typically. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you know, 50% means basically they were like split down the middle, right? So, yeah, half of them got it and half of them, it just might not have been their particular taste. Um, so yeah, that's, that's understandable. 
but again like they're definitely you know, i think this movie in terms of audiences you know, there's like a niche audience that really likes this stuff but it definitely captured a lot of people outside of that which you know you could say this is also a sleeper hit because uh, who would have thought this would have grossed like a hundred million dollars that's a huge success yeah. and like Absolutely. eight sequels you know that's that's crazy so as much as the franchise may have like gone in a whole direction that the original creators didn't envision or intend for it um yeah it's a credit for them that they created this thing that uh again made its place in horror movie history so uh you know that's uh it's it's admirable in that respect alone most people are so ungrateful to be alive but not you not anymore so i think now could be a good time to uh give our final thoughts and our our personal percentage scores on saw so uh bobby start us off um if yeah i know in the beginning you were on the fence but uh let's see where where you ended up and your your final scores yeah i think um so if i were to give this a score on the rotten tomatoes (laughs) if it was a you know I, I would say that percentage-wise, even though it really doesn't work like that, it's more that the Rotten Tomato score is more of an aggregate of all the yeah. reviews. <laughs> reviews are like an over a three out of five. But if I were to just give it the score that I think is like a 60 or 70 out of uh, 100 for me, because it is better than you know just a five out of 10 uh, for me, it's it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie at all. And I would, and I would also say it's not a stupid movie. Some things, yes, are a little unbelievable and a bit of a stretch, but it's not a stupid horror film. And I, I watch a lot of horror and a lot of horror is bad on purpose, bad on, not on purpose, which makes it a joy in itself. And then, you know, like we said, there's just so much in the horror genre and there's so many, so many sections and factions of it. I think Saw has cemented itself as an iconic horror film and, and the Jigsaw killer and the puppet have become iconic images that I cannot deny that. I cannot deny that impact. And because I was also pretty tense during some of those scenes, I actually think the grossest scene is when he sticks his hands down the toilet. There's no blood at all. It's just I hated that. But even that is just very unnerving. Even the editing, which I think is overdone, can be very jarring and disorienting at times. And for that, I think it's a successful horror movie, and I understand its fame. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I, I agree with you on, on all that. Um, what about you, Keith? This is a fun theater movie. This is a fun sleepover movie. This is a fun movie to watch with friends. Does that make it a good movie? Not necessarily, but I think this saw we don't, this saw is a good movie. Um, you get to see the humble beginnings of James Wan, who has gone on, who has definitely evolved and has a vision as a director, and Lee Rennell, who has gotten better as a writer and is doing very unique movies in uh, in his own way. He's doing Werewolf next. I I was thinking, like, in terms of horror movie franchise first movies, it may not be in my top five, but I think it makes my, like, six to ten. I think it does come out the gate. Uh, it has some... I think it's strengths. I, it has some very good strengths. Flawed? Yes. Can we laugh at it? Yes. Uh... I don't know. I, it's a good one. Seventy six. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, I do think it's good. I think eighty. It like the, the audience score is like eighty four, which I think is that's too high. I you know, but at the same time, it's um, probably closer to where I would land. I just think you know, the, like some of the moments I do laugh the most with some of the dialogue too is like um, I think Carrie Elwes has a line about jokes where he goes. Technically, he's not a killer because he's never killed the victims himself. It's like, no, he's a killer. <laughs> like, that's, you know, like, some, there's some moments where the movie thinks it's smarter than it is. Like, just one or two Your of those. Your Honor, my client is not technically a killer. <laughs> That'll never hold up in court. 
but uh thankfully it doesn't fall into those kind of you know moments where it thinks it's smarter than it is for the most part it's it's pretty on point and, and self-aware i think the the sequels it is knows where what it wants to be the sequels is kind of where it goes a little too far off into like preachiness and you know again being a little too not as smart as it as it puts itself out to be i would say i'd give this like a 70 uh and probably with each installment like you know the next one goes down and down and down um <laughs> you know as, as most horror franchises do uh so yep i i i give points just for like what, what they were doing I, anytime there's like a clear vision and definitely a lot of effort you know maybe they did too much again moments with like editing or something like that but i'd rather maybe do too much the, than not enough yeah. sure no i and i think the intention is there like i think james wan knew what type of movie he wanted to make i don't think it was executed all there and that's, you know, that's subjective. I think a lot of people, like, you know, Keith brought up a great point. I think a lot of his visual touches and editing flares are, uh, you know, that's preference. And I think it, it I think it absolutely can be effective. Uh, it's, what it comes down to me is just like Malignant, his re- recent Malignant, I think there's, I definitely know, I, I, I've come to, this is what I want to believe maybe, but I, this, I know what, I, James Wan knows what he's doing. He's okay. a franchise starter. He knows what he's doing. I've heard he's interesting things about this that movie. I, just, I can't wait to see what he want, he's going to do next. That's honestly where I'm at with Aquaman. No matter I can't believe I this like. guy. I can't believe this guy directed <laughs> exactly. Aquaman and that made exactly. a billion dollars. Yeah, look look how he, look how far he's come. Uh, and yeah, Aquaman. That's also divided. That could be another discussion for another day. Yeah, uh, that definitely <laughs> warrants a conversation. Uh, and we but, got a great Invisible Man and Upgrade. I will always recommend Upgrade, but oh man, like it's amazing to see too. what has happened to these two guys in the course of twenty, oh, going on twenty years. I mean, I rave about the Invisible Man. I think that is such too. an incredibly and effective well. movie. Um, so yeah, like these guys, like they started out pretty good, and you know, I mean, for even like their young age at the Techno time, hard. like I, right. <laughs> They they just uh, really admirable stuff there. So Keith, what's our final score? Uh, with our powers combined, it is a seventy point three 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 three. So seventy. Seventy percent. So uh, you know, I then that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think I, I like that. I like that score for this movie for sure. So I officially decree that on Saw we are siding with the audience. So we've seen Saw. I think that was like a joke. People would like kind of poke fun at the title. Did you see Saw? I saw Saw. We saw seen. I saw Saw. I had saw seen Saw. Uh, so, uh, you know, if um, people want to add that to their October Halloween lineup, you know, I think that'd be a good one. Uh, and we have another one lined up for next week. So find out then what that'll be. But uh, until then, thanks, Bobby, for joining us again for another great discussion. Thank you so much for having yes, me. Yes, thank you, man. I love doing this. I hope yeah. the next movie is also from 2004. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get you out of this out of this year. Uh, don't worry, you won't get shoehorned into 2004. When did When did Van Helsing come out? 2004. No, uh, uh, 2003 actually. I think I. I don't Been. know. I don't know. Might have been 2004. Maybe you will get shoehorned it into is. this year. Who oh knows? my God! It is 2004. Your fate is sealed. Let's think about Van Helsing Look next time that. I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That'll definitely be a contender for sure. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Bobby. No problem. Um, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, catch you next time.